Welcome. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast, the show that cuts through the fog of war and updates you about the ongoing conflict in Ukraine. With your host, Linnea Hubbard. Don't forget to like, comment and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts. I'm Linnea Hubbard and today is Tuesday, May 9th, 2023. It's been 3,359 days since Russia occupied Crimea on February 27, 2014, and 440 days since the large-scale invasion of Ukraine began. Today's podcast looks at what happened yesterday in the Russia-Ukraine war. The Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Report is compiled by our team from around the world. Today's report includes information from direct contacts in Ukraine and their proxies, Russian Ministry of Defense reports, the General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine reports, Operational Commands North, South, and East of Ukraine, Open Source Intelligence, our in-house team of analysts and geolocation experts, and pro-Ukrainian and pro-Russian mill bloggers and social media accounts with a track record of trying to be accurate. We have one mission, to report the truth, because the truth matters. First, errors and omissions. It took 437 days, but we finally got razzle-dazzled by a Russian satire news site. We reported that Russian President Vladimir Putin would not attend the Moscow Victory Day parade in person due to a scheduling conflict. We had previously reported that Putin had other meetings scheduled on the same day, and finding more than one source for the report and a recording of a statement from Peskov, we accepted this as fact. Well, the story originated from a Russian satire news site, and the audio statement by Peskov was faked. We will work to do better in the future, and we thank you for your understanding. With that out of the way, let's get started with our assessment of the current status of the war. First, our assessment of an extremely high risk of additional drone and missile strikes through May 9th was sadly accurate, with 27 additional cruise missiles launched at Ukraine. Second, PMC Wagner leader Yevgeny Prigozhin stated that his forces have yet to receive promised ammunition, despite a documented increase in artillery activity and the number of Wagner attacks. These machinations may serve as excuses for Wagner's inability to capture Bakhmut, which has been under siege for 273 days. Third, we remain uncertain if Ukrainian forces will continue their retrograde operation in Bakhmut if PMC Wagner will receive ammunition as promised, and if Chechen Ahmad will deploy to Bakhmut as reinforcements. Fourth, we maintain that Ukraine has seized the battlefield initiative in all operational areas. Fifth, in preparation for larger offensive operations, Ukrainian forces continue shaping operations on multiple axes, creating panic and uncertainty among Gauleiters, Russian administrators, and military leaders. And finally, long-range weather models have degraded but remain favorable for larger offensive operations using armor and mobility after May 11th. Let's get some regional updates, starting with Kharkiv. In the Dvorichna operational area, the General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine, or GSAFU, and the Russian Ministry of Defense, or MOD, reported continued fighting near Sinkivka. The GSAFU reported that the Russian Air Force, or VKS, 
carried out airstrikes on Vilshana and Khyanikivka, and reported Vilshana was hit by artillery. There continue to be indications that Ukrainian forces are carrying out more combat activity in the operational area than is being broadly reported. In the Svatva operational area, the Russian MOD reported that Ukrainian reconnaissance, observation, and sabotage units, called DRG, were operating in the area of Berestove. Kharkiv Oblast Administrative and Military Governor Ole Sinyubov reported that the suburbs of the city of Kharkiv were hit with up to six short-range ballistic missiles, likely Iskander-M launched from the Bilgorod region. There was no information on targeted areas, damage, or casualties. Moving on to the Donbass region in Luhansk. Luhansk Oblast Administrative and Military Governor Artem Lusikhor reported that Russian forces carried out 97 fire missions across Luhansk on civilian and military targets, including striking Nevsky with 48 artillery shells. In the Kremina operational area, Russian mercenary mill blogger Wargonzo reported that Russian forces attempted to advance on Makiivka and were unsuccessful. Wargonzo also reported that Russian forces attempted to advance from the western forests of Kremina without success. In the Lysychansk operational area, the GSAFU and Wargonzo reported that Russian forces probed Ukrainian defenses near Bilohorivka in Luhansk, found out they were quite effective defenses, and withdrew. The so-called Luhansk People's Republic, or LNR, Joint Center for Control and Coordination, or JCCC, reported that rockets fired by HIMARS hit Rubizhne, Molodizhne, and Alchevsk. At the time of recording, no information was shared on targeted areas, damage, or casualties. In northeast Donetsk, in the Siversk operational area, the GSAFU and Wargonzo reported that Russian forces continued their unsuccessful attacks on Spirne. In the Bakhmut operational area, PMC Wagner attacked Khomova and was unable to advance. Ukrainian forces counterattacked and pushed Wagner back up to 250 meters. The T-506 highway ground line of communication, called a G-lock, that's a supply line, remains open but difficult. We made adjustments to the map that do not represent new territorial gains, rather improved intelligence on the location of the line of conflict near Bohdanivka, Khomova, and Minkivka. In northern Bakhmut, we moved the line of conflict one block north of the Liberators of Donbass Street, also based on improved intelligence. The heaviest fighting within Bakhmut continued in the northern part of the city, with PMC Wagner attempting to break through into the residential neighborhood. There were no observed changes in west-central Bakhmut, where fighting continued. There were no changes in western Bakhmut either. Fighting remained intense but positional in nature. The T-504 highway G-lock also remains open but difficult to use. The western part of the city was shelled by Russian forces with thermite munitions during the night of May 8th. PMC Wagner's attempt to advance in the direction of Ivanivsky was unsuccessful, with the Wagnerites pushed back two to three hundred meters. Russian forces made another attempt to advance in the direction of Chasivyar from the Siversky Donetsk Donbass Canal, which, in keeping with today's theme, failed. In Bakhmut, the Russian MOD reported they completed 69 fire missions, and Russian Army Aviation and VKS completed five close air support sorties. 
In the last 24 hours, PMC Wagner leader Yevgeny Prigozhin claimed that additional ammunition shipments had already started, and then claimed that there has been no increase in ammunition shipments as promised. Ukrainian officials, however, reported artillery strikes in Bakhmut have increased, as well as the number of ground attacks. And the number of fire missions reported by the Russian MOD on May 8th was similar to May 6th and 7th. We estimate that Ukrainian forces maintain control of 2.8 square kilometers of Bakhmut, about 1.08 square miles, or roughly 6.7% of the city, which is 41.6 square kilometers in total. In the Kostyantonivka operational direction, Russian forces made another attempt to advance towards Tupochki from the Siversky Donetsk Donbass Canal and were unsuccessful. In southwest Donetsk, in the Avdiivka operational area, Russian mercenary millblogger Rybar reported that fighting was ongoing along the H-20 highway west of Novobakhmutivka. Multiple Ukrainian sources reported that the 1st Army Corps attempted to advance on Avdiivka from Vesele without success. Russian forces continued their attempts to recapture lost positions in eastern Pervomaiske, also without success. In the Marinka operational area, fighting continued with no change in the situation. Moving on to Zaporizhia. Russian forces carried out 67 fire missions and one drone attack along the line of conflict in Zaporizhia, wounding one civilian. Russian collaborator and illegitimate governor of occupied Zaporizhia, Yevgeny Bolitsky, announced that the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant has suspended, quote, the operation of units to avoid, quote, provocations. In our assessment, this was an attempt to frighten residents of the occupied territories that Ukraine is planning to attack the facility. The International Atomic Energy Agency reported all reactors were shut down on May 6th. We cannot confirm the report by the Washington Post that Russian forces are going to make so-called temporary resettlement of the 3,100 workers still at ZNPP and question the veracity of the claim as the plant can't be abandoned by its workforce even in a cold shutdown state. Russian blocking troops are really going above and beyond, inspecting civilian cars and trucks fleeing to Crimea from occupied Kherson and Zaporizhia looking for Russian soldiers and occupation police officers who have dressed as civilians and are deserting. Local residents reported that the Russian occupation police burned the records in Vesele, northwest of Melitopol, and left the city. The same was reported in Mikhailivka. There were multiple reports that in order to accommodate the influx of up to 70,000 people facing alleged temporary resettlement, Russian occupation officials have nationalized hotels, hostels, resorts, and 300 private homes in Berdyansk. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. Our team of journalists, researchers, and analysts is funded by readers, listeners, and viewers just like you. To support independent journalism, please consider becoming a patron. You can find us on patreon.com at malcontentnews. In the Black Sea, Crimea, Mykolaiv, and Odessa region, Operational Command South, or OKS, reported that the Black Sea Fleet has 15 vessels on patrol, 
including four frigates capable of launching 32 caliber cruise missiles in total. Eight caliber cruise missiles, the first since March 9, 2023, were launched toward Dnipro during the evening of May 8. Russian officials claim a drone was shot down over the Azov Sea near the coast of Crimea, but no other information was provided. The warehouse destroyed on May 7th by a Russian KH-22 cruise missile was run by the International Committee of the Red Cross, or ICRC, and was filled with humanitarian aid, according to Ukrainian officials and the ICRC. The ICRC was forced to suspend humanitarian operations in the area, and the body of a security guard was found in the rubble. The May 7th missile strike on Zatoka destroyed one summer resort and badly damaged five adjacent resorts and 20 homes. There were no casualties as Zatoka is a seasonal city, and last year's missile strikes made tourism impossible. There is no evidence to support claims that the disabled and irreparable Zatoka Bridge was targeted during that same attack. In Mykolaiv, Ukrainian air defenses shot down a caliber cruise missile. In western and central Ukraine, Russian forces carried out 46 fire missions, firing 320 artillery rounds, mortars, grad rockets, indirect tank fire, and drone-delivered IEDs, bombs, and rockets. The city of Kherson was attacked once with two artillery shells. Kherson Oblast administrative and military governor Alexander Prokudin reported the coastal settlement of Stanislav was heavily shelled wounding 10 civilians, one of whom required hospitalization. Antonivka was shelled by Russian forces, wounding two civilians, one critically. Russian occupation officials, who relocated from Kherson in November to the self-declared government center of occupied Kherson, Skadovsk, have reportedly evacuated almost all personnel and their families to Crimea. Dnipropetrovsk administrative and military governor Serhii Lysak reported seven caliber cruise missiles launched toward Dnipro were intercepted. Debris from one missile, including its warhead, struck a four-story apartment building. The warhead did not detonate, and explosive ordnance disposal experts disarmed it and have already removed it from the building. Forty people were evacuated and one woman was hospitalized. The Homada of Mezirich, a Pavlograd suburb, was hit by two Iskander SRBM. The only information provided was that there were no injuries. In north and northeastern Ukraine, the Kyiv region was targeted by 15 KH-101, KH-55 cruise missiles launched by four Tu-95 strategic bombers over the Caspian Sea. All missiles were intercepted. An additional missile struck an empty field, creating an 8-meter-deep crater. In Sumy Oblast, 55 artillery shells and mortars struck 12 border villages on May 8. The Homada of Nova Sloboda was hit by seven artillery shells and one mortar, damaging five homes and power lines. Znobnovhorod was hit by a Russian airstrike, injuring three civilians and destroying several buildings. On the Russian front in the Bilgorod region, the settlements of Spodaryushino and Shebikino were shelled, with local officials reporting four people were wounded. In the Kursk region, the village of Tietkino was shelled. (laughs) 
Let's talk about developments theater-wide and outside Ukraine. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky held another meeting of the Stavka with a public readout. Kirill Budinov, head of the Defense Intelligence Directorate of the Ministry of Defense of Ukraine, or GUR, and Alexander Litvinenko, head of the Security Service of Ukraine, or SBU, provided detailed briefings and recommendations on how to strengthen the defense of Ukraine. During his evening address, President Zelensky said, quote, I held a meeting with the Minister for Strategic Industries concerning ammunition. There is some good news in this regard. Of course, now is not the time to make them public. End quote. Okay, well, now I'm very curious. Eight more companies, a military unit of 1 to 250 personnel, of drone operators, were activated after completing their training and receiving all necessary equipment to deploy. Ukraine now has 13 companies of dedicated drone operators. Russian-aligned hackers launched a cyber attack on the Ukrainian Ichirka service used for customs for clearing of trucks and drivers at the border. The system was working normally by the end of the day, although it did impact logistics, customs, and border crossings. Poland delivered another 10 MiG-29 fighter aircraft to Ukraine. Slovakia and Poland have transferred 39 of the late Soviet-era fighter aircraft to the Ukrainian Air Force over the last two months. Speaking of late Soviet era, let's talk about the Russian military mobilization and Mir. As I mentioned earlier in the episode, Russian President Putin did, in fact, attend the Moscow Victory Day Parade, flanked by the leaders of the five CSTO nations, Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, Tajikistan, Armenia, and Belarus. Honestly, though, it could have been an email. Earlier in the year, Dmitry Peskov reported there would be an estimated 125 military vehicles at the 2023 Moscow Victory Day Parade, in 2022, there were 137, and in 2021, over 200. 51. You, you were wondering how many there were this time around. There were 51 military vehicles at this year's festivities, including the lone T-34 from World War II that led the parade. We do love an antique. Of those 51, the Tiger M's and VPK Urals are used by OMON and the Roskvardia, hinting that 29 of the vehicles in today's parade were for internal security. Like last year, most of the so-called troops were cadet officers from area academies. No flyover was scheduled for this year's parade. There is a shortage of pilots, which is not a unique problem in the Russian Federation. Some assessment. If Moscow had the military hardware to spare, they would have displayed it. Victory Day parades are more for internal audiences than external, and certainly the average Russian will notice how few vehicles were present. Before the Victory Day parade in Moscow, PMC Wagner leader Yevgeny Prigozhin released yet another video, saying, quote, Congratulations to everyone on Victory Day. So as not to spoil the holiday for anyone, the full video, where I talk about the ammunition situation, We'll show it at 10.40 MDT exactly after the end of the Victory Day Parade. Since it's 3.30 in the morning, there's still time. In the case that we get the ammunition, we won't show the video. Well, obviously, because logistics don't work like that, he ended up showing the video. 
In the video, Prigozhin claims that regular Russian forces are not only not fulfilling their promises to protect Wagner's flanks, but he accused one unit and a competing PMC of abandoning their positions. Some assessment? There may be some truth to this on the northern flanks, with reports that Ukrainian forces made gains near the Solidar operational area near Sakoivenceti, Vasyukivka, and Sil. This is unconfirmed. Prigozhin also claims that Kremlin leaders are, quote, deceiving Putin about the real situation in Ukraine and Bakhmut. He also claims he is still on a 10% allocation for his ammunition, that it was personally ordered by the chief of the general staff, Valery Garasimov, and that no extra arms or munitions have been delivered as promised. More assessment. This is absolutely unreasonable to expect a change in supply in under 48 hours not only for Russian logistical capabilities, but almost any military on the planet. Prigozhin claims that his earlier request to be released from Bakhmut was denied, and if his forces did withdraw, it would be considered treason. In his video statement, Prigozhin accused the Ministry of Defense of treason, adding that Russia is incapable of defending itself and is unprepared for the upcoming Ukrainian offensive. He claims he will stay in Bakhmut, quote, for a few more days. We stand by our assessment that PMC Wagner has not been singled out for ammunition allocation and that Russian forces are suffering from ammunition shortages theater-wide. The rate of consumption was unsustainable. Large quantities of ammunition were interdicted from June to October, other ammunition storage sites were improperly maintained, rendering Russian stockpiles useless, and production can't keep up with demand. Additionally, Russian forces have an even more acute shortage of powder charges and ATGMs. Any change in ammunition shipments will come at the expense of other military units. Further, if PMC Wagner withdraws, reserves being held for the Ukrainian offensive will have to be deployed. It is noteworthy that Gerasimov was not at the Victory Day parade, but he may have been the so-called designated survivor, and there may be nothing more to the story. Prigozhin is not going to let this go, and if the fix is more ammunition, in our assessment, this will spiral out of control, because there is no additional ammunition with supporting powder charges. The commander of the 111th Regiment, Lieutenant Colonel Oleg Bezman, died on May 8th after being wounded in combat near Avdiivka on May 2nd. Bezman had been fighting in the ranks of the 1st Army Corps since 2014, and returned to service in February 2022. Ukrainian officials started messaging Russian collaborators and forces in Zaporizhia with a message to surrender that says, quote, Russians and lovers of Russia, I appeal to you. Lay down your weapons and surrender. Or you can injure yourself and go to the hospital, or get lost somewhere. The elite assault special forces and paratroopers were defeated in the Kyiv region, and then they fled in disgrace. There was no question of NATO technology. Then the liberation of almost the entire Kharkiv region without heavy weapons. It is 3,800 square kilometers, more than 300 settlements. HIMARS appeared and you ran away from Kherson. Now it's time for the Zaporizhia front. You are aware of how much the NATO countries delivered to Ukraine during the liberation of Kherson and that was on November 11th, 
it has already been six months of intensive arms deliveries. A huge number of deliveries are not shared. You say you want to stand until the end? You are not a zombie Wagner convict. No one even imagines what is about to happen. Everything will burn. You are asked first if you do not leave this holiday of life in time. In the best scenario, your morons will launch ten crooked missiles, of which two will hit their target. The wheel will never stop. End quote. And that's what we know. Join me again tomorrow for more updates. Until then, stay safe, everyone. You've been listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. To help keep us independent, please consider providing financial support by becoming a patron. Want on-demand news in your hand? Download the Google News app and make Malcontent News one of your favorites to receive breaking news updates. Thank you for listening.